known through his word. He reveals the truth that sets people free from sin. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. This is the gospel of the Lord. Good morning and greetings from your brothers and sisters in the Great Plains Mission District, which I can speak on behalf of as dean, and also special greetings from my home church of Evangelical Lutheran in Mankato, Kansas. I liked your preface this morning to the worship talking about Reformation. All too often, the church in its history has been complacent, has been content, has thought that things are okay. In the 1500s, a lot of the people thought everything was okay, but it really wasn't. The church, the body of Christ on earth had become corrupt, tarnished. Today, if we fall into the failure and repeating past mistakes that the Reformation accomplished all, All that's been done. The church is reformed. We're fine. You know, we know what we're doing. The church is okay. It isn't. You know especially well. You having left a church who you thought had failings, had stepped away from the path and formed a new church body. The Reformation is something that is ongoing constantly in our lives, in the life of the church. And if we forget that, we fail. We become lazy. We become complacent. Not only as clergy, but also as priesthood, the fellow priesthood believers, the people in the pews, you. I want to leave you. I want to start with some thoughts from Martin Luther. He wrote a poem. Believe it or not, Martin Luther wrote poetry. And its title is, A Christian is Always in the Process of Becoming never in the state of having become. The Christian life is not being pious, but becoming pious. Not being healthy, but becoming healthy. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not yet, but we are becoming it. It is not yet done and has not happened. It is, however, going on and coming to be. It is not the end, but it is the way. If we live our individual lives by those words, the church will live by those words. The church needs to do that. We need to constantly be reforming, keeping, but not reforming in new ways, not reforming according to man's will, man's intellect, our ideas, but according to Scripture, reforming by going back to the Word, reading the Word, understanding it, dwelling in it, and then living our lives like we've done that.
this is what happens. Uh, the church has to struggle with this constantly because, as Martin Luther said, we're both, at the same time, we are saint and we're sinners. The church exists. The body of Christ here on earth still exists here on earth, so it has. It is full of saints and sinners. It brings all the good things that we bring as being saints, as being children of God. And it also brings our sinful nature into it. Our sinful nature lends itself to entropy, lends itself to chaos. And if left alone without constant reform and constant renewal in our lives, our lives fall apart. If the church doesn't do the same thing, it falls apart. It starts straying and it starts thinking, I am advanced. I am smart. I know what's right and what's wrong. No, we don't. Without God's word to guide us, we have no clue. The reformers looked around at their church and suddenly they realized it looked nothing like the body of Christ that Jesus Christ had created almost 1,500 years ago before that. It had become corrupt. It had become tainted. It had become all about wealth and power and maintaining the status quo and increasing wealth for the few. It had forgotten to preach the gospel as its primary focus. It had become all about the people in the church serving the church hierarchy, not serving God, and the church hierarchy serving themselves, not God. I put it to you today, if you look around the world today, much of the church today has become that way. Very little in the church is spent proclaiming the gospel. And so we and others like us are faithful, are reforming again. Once again, we're going back to Scripture, to the norm, to lead our lives according to God's word, not our word. God's will, not our will. Because it seems to me, if you look around, a lot of the church has fallen into man's ideas. Look at relationships. Marriage is being redefined. Look at abortion. Mankind has decided it's not a human life. It's just tissue to be disposed of. One of the great idols of today is the phrase, it's my body, it's my choice. Our culture has changed. We accept compromise in our personal lives too often. We accept compromise from our politicians. I mean, how many of you have ever looked around and said, all politicians lie, so what if the one I support lies a little bit? I mean, many of you are as old as I am, so you, or older, you remember Richard Nixon. He lied. And we got rid of him because we didn't accept that behavior from a president. 20 years later, we had a president who sat in front of Congress and looked at the cameras and said, I'm sorry, children, I did not have sex with that woman, and we accepted it. It was just sex. And Christians accepted that. Our culture accepted that. Why? What has caused our social mores in this country to change so drastically? In a generation, our culture has become almost unrecognizable in many areas. 
I want to put it to you, is the church's fault. The church was needed, has needed reformation. It is undergoing it now. The church forgot what God said in Isaiah 48. The grain withers, the flower, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And also, when you think about the word, oh, you know, we interpret the word. Those are just myths. That, that Bible, it's just myths. It's legends. Uh, what did John say in the first chapter? In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. So you can't throw out the Old Testament and call it myths and legends and say that its laws and its ideals on life are not true because Jesus Christ was there from the very beginning. You know how many times I've heard in my life, well, Jesus never spoke to that. Uh, have you read the Old Testament? The Word of God, the living Word, the incarnate Word, definitely spoke to that. It's interesting. But the church, when the church forgot those things, it forgot so much more. That's what made abortion become acceptable. Because the church forgot phrases like this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I made you holy. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. They forgot Elizabeth greeting her relative Mary, and the baby John leaps in her womb. That wasn't tissue. They forgot that the word, the living word incarnate, said this when he came to earth. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. If you are not listening to Jesus Christ, you can't tell what the truth is. Our culture has become more like Pontius Pilate who said, what is truth? Than Jesus Christ who said those words. Our culture has become searching. They don't know what the truth is. The truth, truth is what I feel today, what I think today. So once again, as it's happened in the past, our church is reforming. The body of Christ, which he has promised to preserve, is reforming. And you are part of that. There are millions in our culture that are like you that stand firm on the word of God, that know what the truth is, that live the truth, that speak the truth. And you want, you want to know what the wonderful thing about all this is? How many of you read, remember what John 17, the 17th chapter of John is? It's the high priestly prayer that right before he was led off to be betrayed, Jesus Christ, before the Last Supper, he prayed for his disciples. That whole chapter is beautiful. I want you to listen to just a few words of Jesus. It's just a few verses. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. I am praying for them. 
I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ prayed for you and for me. That prayer, that whole chapter was prayed for us to help us give us strength to sustain us in times when we are questioning our faith, when others question our faith, when they attack it. 2,000 years ago, your Lord and Savior prayed for you. How wonderful. How beautiful. It's because of this prayer and the promise that Christ made that the church would not disappear before he came back. That sustains us. The power of that prayer, which he bestowed, the Holy Spirit that came into each and every one of us sitting here, sustains the church. Our frail bodies, ourselves, will give up at times, will feel disheartened, will feel like we're all alone, like we're losing the battle. Actually, sometimes we feel like we're losing the war. The neat thing is, we might lose a battle here and there. Personally, Jesus Christ has never lost a battle, and he's already won the war. And that prayer guarantees that he knows what we're going through. His thoughts are of us. The church will survive. The body of Christ will survive because he has promised, and he is always faithful. So this year, today, we celebrate the Protestant Reformation. And you want to know one of the beautiful things that came out of the Protestant Reformation? About 70 years after it started, the Catholic Church said, whoa, they had their own Reformation. They realized what had happened. So one of the things I want each and every one of us to do today as you go down tonight, before you lay down, go to sleep. Whenever you say your evening devotions, your evening prayers, give thanks for God who is faithful and true, for Jesus Christ who prayed for you, who died on a cross for you, who was raised from the dead for you. And ask for strength. Ask for comfort. And pray that he would keep a Reformation heart in here. So that when he comes back, he has a beautiful bride awaiting for him in his church. Amen.